as Russia and Vladimir Putin invade Ukraine, we take a look as many believers are saying that this is exactly what Ezekiel 38 and 39 speaks about regarding Gog and Magog. And we're going to take a look at what the Bible describes, or rather, who the Bible describes as the Antichrist, according to the Scriptures. Stay with us as we look at these and other stories on the 511 News. Now, there are two kinds of people in the world, only two kinds, not black and white, not rich and poor. There are those who are dead in sin, and there are those who are dead to sin. After three nights of unbridled lawlessness across London, the contagion is spreading. The problem is that God has already judged this. He has judged murder already. I don't need to question it. I don't need to ask and wonder what his plan is. We're commanded as Christians not to participate in the works of darkness, but expose them. Welcome back to the 511 News. I'm your host, Chad Davidson of Good Fight Ministries. And on today's episode, we are taking a look at what is going on in Russia. Well, actually from Russia over to the Ukraine. And before we even talk about it and just engage with what is going on, I just want to encourage you, please, and and maybe, you know, press pause, whatever you need to do, but maybe take some time to pray for our brethren there in Ukraine. I know there are missionaries there right now as we speak. I know we have uh, brothers and sisters in Christ that we met in Israel uh, that actually run a drug rehabilitation out there in Israel. And I know I've been praying for that brother today specifically, and I'm sure it's just terrible knowing as a Ukrainian what's going on back in his home country. So I I do want to lift them up uh, in prayer because I'm sure this is not an easy time. And we're going to take a look because a lot of people are saying, look at what's going on. Look, maybe Putin is Gog of Magog. And when we see Ezekiel 38 and 39, we're going to look at this text and say, this is what's going on right now. And this is really a precursor for the tribulation. And with everything that's going on, I can certainly see why people are saying that. So I want to read specifically, if you guys haven't heard, that Russia has actually invaded Kiev. Uh, They have gone into Ukraine. And so I'm going to read straight from this news story right here. And we're going to hear exactly what's going on. Russian troops launched an attack on Ukraine on Thursday that started with explosions before dawn in the capital of Kiev and other cities. Ukraine's foreign ministry said Russia's intent was to destroy the state of Ukraine, a westward-looking democracy intent on moving out of Moscow's orbit. At least 57 people had been killed so far in what it called a, quote, full-scale war, targeting the country from the east, north, and south. In a televised address as the attack began, Russian President Vladimir Putin warned other countries that any attempt to interfere would lead to consequences you have never seen in history. Ukraine's leaders are now mobilizing some 36,000 reservists as it braces for a full invasion. Ukraine's National Guard and Border Control Service are activating an additional 10,000 reserve members. And the president of Ukraine, Vladimir Zelensky, stated at 2 a.m., Russia treacherously attacked our state in the morning. 
as Nazi Germany did in World War II. As of today, our countries are on different sides of world history. Russia has embarked on a path of evil, but Ukraine is defending itself and won't give up its freedom no matter what Moscow thinks. Now, obviously, those are strong words uh, with everything that is going on, but also the strong words you might hear from Putin as well, stating, as we said earlier, that it will lead to consequences. If anyone interferes, any other country, it will lead to consequences you have never seen before in history. And a lot of people are looking at this and saying, whoa, what is going on? Is this World War III on the horizon? Does it look like so many of the prophecies have shown that these wars and rumors of wars are coming, but there is going to be an end times war, specifically where all the gathering nations around Israel come and attack them? Is this what is happening right now? And, you know, it's really interesting when we look at biblical prophecy, when we look at where we are in our time and space now, and I'm sure I have said this before, uh, but the fact is, is that if you would have asked me a couple of years ago, if I thought that this world was ready right now to accept the Antichrist, to, to you know, take a mark on their right hand or their forehead, that mark of the beast, um, pay him homage and worship, and nobody would be able to buy or sell without that mark, I would say, I don't know if people are ready for that. I don't know if they're conditioned enough for that. But the reality is, is that, and I said this, when my son during COVID got together with a number of other boys that were, you know, seven, eight years old to play football out in the park on a nice sunny day, and the cops were called because of the COVID police, I guess, and I, when I say COVID police, I mean whoever decided to call them, call the cops because the cops were there and said, I don't, we don't want to be here. We're so sorry. And it's a reality that I said, man, if you can turn on little kids playing football in the park because you're worried that for somehow osmosis might go through your window onto your face and you get COVID, I, I think you're probably ready to turn people in for not receiving the mark of the beast. And so, yes, I do believe that people are well-conditioned enough, and this is exactly what it will look like in the end times. People are going to betray their own family. People are going to betray their own brothers and sisters and mothers and fathers. And this is the reality that we have to look at and say, is our world conditioned to, to receive the mark? Is our world conditioned to receive the Antichrist? And I would have to say, yeah, they probably are. And sadly, with the leadership that we have today, even in our own country, uh, Joe Biden was actually asked specifically with everything that Putin has going on, and is he threatening a nuclear strike? Like, is that what he's threatening when he says those things that it's never, that, that the repercussions basically would be something that people have never seen? Our own president here in the United States, who pray for Joe Biden, please pray for him. He needs Jesus. Um, he says, I have no idea what he's planning to do. I mean, this is the the reality of the leadership that we have here in the United States, and it's a leadership that needs to be prayed for and recognized as, I mean, guys, I, I just have to say what's on my heart. The reality is, is that so many people want to talk about how great our nation is in, in the United States, but we have the blood of millions of babies on our hands here in the United States, not blood-bought believers, 
who don't believe in that. But as a nation, as a nation ripe for judgment, you can't say that you look at what's going on here in the school system, uh, at every level of the courts, at every level of legislation, and just on the streets as well, and not say that this is a nation ripe for judgment. I mean, that is the reality. And it's heartbreaking, but it's true. And this is the leadership that we get. We get this sort of leadership. So because we're seeing this, because we're seeing the warnings, a lot of people, specifically in biblical prophecy, uh, in terms of prophecy teachers, do look at it and say, hey, is what is going on now, what we're seeing, is this Gog of Magog from Ezekiel 38 and 39, is this him starting to try to take over the world? Because when we see in Ezekiel 38 and 39 that this Gog of Magog, that this person from the north of Magog, that this person is going to get all the nations together. And I, I, I want to go through that. Is it the time where this is what's going to take place, that Gog of Magog is going to get all the nations together, and maybe Ukraine's the start, and now America comes, and, and so forth? It's this the time where everybody is going to start coming, and I guess for those who believe in a pre-tribulation rapture, I do not believe in it, uh, I guess they would say that the rapture is just right at the door, even though there's not supposed to be any signs whatsoever before the rapture takes place, but... That's for another teaching, not for today. If you want to talk about the rapture, we have plenty of teachings on that. But nonetheless, is this the time? Are these the epochs? Is this is this what's going on? Are we at the are we at the doorstep here? And whether or not we are, I want to read specifically from Matthew chapter twenty four regarding what even if we are here, what we are supposed to do in Matthew chapter twenty four. Verse 4, this is the Olivet Discourse. You can go to Mark 13, Luke 21, and Matthew 24. But Matthew 24, starting at verse 4, And Jesus answered and said to them, See to it that no one misleads you, for many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will mislead many. You will be hearing of wars and rumors of wars. See that you are not frightened, for those things must take place. But that is not yet the end. For nation will rise against nation a kingdom against kingdom. And in various places, there will be famines and earthquakes. But all these things are merely the beginning of birth pangs. Guys, first of all, when we're reading that, remember, this is for us not to be afraid. Jesus is telling us this in advance so that we will not be afraid. He is there to comfort us. He sent us his comforter, the Holy Spirit, that comforts us even when the worst things are taking place. Verse 9, Then they will deliver you to tribulation and will kill you, and you will be hated by all nations because of my name. At that time, many will fall away and will betray one another and hate one another. Many false prophets will arise and will mislead many. Because lawlessness is increased, most people's love will grow cold. But the one who endures till the end shall be saved. The gospel of the kingdom shall be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. Now, I just want to point this out. It is absolutely radical to read that verse right there in verse 14. In terms of the prophetic nature, when you think of Jesus specifically going to the house of Israel and promising to the disciples that they would do greater, not greater as in 
more important or anything like that when it comes to the works, but greater in number because they would leave Jerusalem into Judea and then to the outermost regions. But to think about this with all the tribes and all these places where missionaries for hundreds and hundreds, I guess thousands of years, have been going all over the place to get the gospel to be preached, to think about this, the God of Israel and Jesus talking about the God of Israel. And this God of Israel, well, then the gospel that he preached, the Jesus who is the God of Israel, the gospel he preached would not just stay there in Jerusalem, but that would go out into all the world until the end happens, that the entire world would hear the gospel and then the end will come. I, I, I think that we minimize this as a, a crazy prophecy. We understand the time and the space in which it took place when Jesus was saying this. But I digress to go back to my main point, and that is for our hearts not to be troubled by any of this. Because in 1 Thessalonians 5, right, I, I want to read this because this is really, really important. And if I try to give the context, I won't get to the video we, we want to play regarding end times players. But I, I want to read this text because it is so important for us to really gather and understand that we need to have on the helmet of salvation right now, regardless if this is truly the Gog and Magog, which I do not believe it is, and I'll explain why. But um, this situation right here, we need to make sure we have our helmets on. You need to strap up, right? If you want to get into the game, you got to have your helmet. You ever seen that in a football game when a kid doesn't have his helmet? I've seen it. Someone forgot their helmet. They lost their helmet. They don't have their helmet on. Guess what? You can't get into the game. And you can't play and you can't help out your teammates like you should be because you don't have your helmet on. And I believe we need to really understand what the helmet of salvation is before we can even put it on. In 1 Thessalonians 5, starting at verse 1, it says, To the periods and the times, brothers and sisters, you have no need of anything to be written to you. For you yourselves know full well that the day of the Lord is coming like a thief in the night. But who is going to be surprised at this coming? Who is going to be surprised? Verse 3. While they are saying peace and safety, then sudden destruction will come upon them like labor pains upon a pregnant woman. Once again, we're talking about labor pains and they will not escape. Who are they that will not escape that the Lord's return comes like a thief in the night? But you, brothers and sisters, are not in darkness that that day will overtake you like a thief. So we don't get caught off guard like that. The believers, the brothers and sisters in Christ do not get caught off guard because guess what? We have our eyes up and looking up for Jesus. Verse 5, for you are all sons of light and sons of day. We are not of the night nor of darkness. So then let's not sleep as others do, but let's be alert and sober. This is our job, brothers and sisters, to be alert and sober-minded. It is so unbelievably important in this day and age, in this time that we're living in, that we are alert and sober. Those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who are drunk, Get drunk at night. Remember the one who believed that the Lord was delaying his coming? And Jesus said he went and got drunk with the drunkards and he came up and cut him up into pieces? Come on, man. We don't want to be a part of that group, right? Back to verse 8. But since we are of the day, let's be sober, having put on a breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet, the hope of salvation. That's looking forward to and understanding the Lord's return, right? That's the context here that I remember that the Lord is returning one day. I need to have that on my head, that we are going to get ultimate salvation. We are saved past tense. We are being saved, and we have an ultimate salvation that happens at the end. And so we need to look at this 
and see that we need our helmet on recognizing the Lord's return, being sober-minded the entire time so that we look forward to the fact that he is coming back and we stay sober-minded so we aren't getting caught off guard. So we aren't like those people where the thief in the night, right? That's not for believers. That's for non-believers. The believers are children of the day, not children of the night. He's not coming upon us like a thief because we have our eyes fixed on Jesus. So we are not ashamed at his coming because we have that helmet of salvation on. And it's for us believers. One of the reminders right after this in verse nine is that we don't get God's wrath. Isn't that awesome? We are not appointed to wrath. God will never pour his wrath on believers. It's the wrath of God that is revealed right now to people, specifically that wrath of God for anyone who doesn't come to him. And ultimately that's the wrath that Jesus took on the cross so that we as believers will not ever taste and praise God for that. But I wanted to talk a little bit about God and Magog. And I have a lot of texts that I need to read. And I guess Tony is telling me I don't have enough time to read it on this episode. But nonetheless, we did a recent, a, a recent conference in the last year in Texas. And one of the portions of that com- conference was dealing with end times players. And I want to point out, because a lot of people are saying that Vladimir Putin is Gog of Magog. And if you went to prophecy teachers and you looked at their maps, they might have Tubal and Kush and Gomer and and Meshach and all these different places, or Meshach, all these different places in these different regions all over the place, including Magog, you know, and Gog. They're like, oh, it's all over here. And when you actually look at the maps from a number of different uh, Bibles, whether it's Zondervan's uh, Bible, IVP, and so forth, you'll see that a lot of the places where it talks about him being a prince, and by the way, Gog is is not just a prince from there, but he actually takes up from many nations, not just the nations listed, but many nations. So it kind of, he, he gets real control over a big giant region, and not just these specific ones, but a number of places specifically that we look at actually come from Asia Minor, or what we would deal with as modern-day Turkey, and he is actually Gog of Magog, and Magog is in modern-day Turkey today. So we actually have a view, obviously, that Russia plays a huge part in end times, and we're going to have to do an entire show. Tony, I'm totally messing this up, because we're going to have to do an entire show. I'm going to do a show next week with Joe going through Gog and Magog, specifically probably starting at chapter 37, all the way 38 and 39, where we have the fountain of cleansing open up. Uh, I know that's not the word it's used. It's actually the spirit poured out at the end of chapter 39. And we want to see also the differences between Revelation chapter 20, where the the millennium has already taken place, and it mentions Gog and Magog in the New Testament, and how it's different than what's taking place in Ezekiel 38 and 39, because that fountain of cleansing that is opening up and comes right there when the Spirit is poured out, the same Spirit that is poured out in Zechariah chapter 12, uh, specifically in verse 10, when they look at him whom they've pierced, when they look at me is what it says in Zechariah 12.10, they will look on me whom they've pierced, and you'll actually see that fountain of cleansing open up and Israel restored, and that's the promise at the end of Ezekiel chapter 39. And so we have that promise, but I digress, and I'll, I'll save that for the Good Fight radio show next week with Pastor Joe, because I want you to look at, as I said, we discussed specifically the end times players. And one of the reasons I don't believe Vladimir Putin 
is uh, this end times player is specifically because the way we view um, the Antichrist and who he is. So I'm going to play this clip for you. It's a little longer clip, and you guys can check out the whole conference. We have it on our Good Fight Ministries YouTube channel if you'd like. But here is the clip that you guys can check out. We know that the Antichrist spirit denies that Jesus is the Messiah, that he's the Christ. Amen. Who's a liar with one that denies that Jesus is the Christ? And it says the Antichrist denies the Father and the Son. Denies the relationship between the Father and the Son. What's one of Islam's strongest cards that they play? That, that Allah is God and he has no son. That's doctrine Antichrist. That's on the Temple Mount of Al-Aqsa Mosque, where the Antichrist is going to set up shop and on the, on the Dome of the Rock. In Arabic, it says over and over again, Allah is God, this is one of their creeds, right? Allah is God and he has no son. It's like, wow, it's like they took that out of 1 John. Who's the Antichrist who denies, who denies the Father and the Son? And I'll tell you what, this is not an accident at all, spiritually speaking. Because if you look at the opponents who John, it's just try to follow this. It's not that difficult. But you've got to connect a few dots with me. When you look at the, uh, what, who John is addressing in 1 John, he's addressing the Gnostics. Almost every one of your study Bibles in the beginning will say, you know, he was addressing, uh, you know, incipient Gnosticism, proto-Gnosticism, beginning of the Gnostic teachings. Because the Apostle John, according to Irenaeus, who sat under Polycarp, who sat under John. Irenaeus tells us that John went into the bathhouse with his disciples and Serenthus was there. Serenthus was a false teacher, he was a Gnostic. John says, let us leave this house, let's, you know, this bathhouse, unless the, the, the ceiling falls apart, the roof falls upon our head because the, the, the son of Satan is here. You know, you know what Serenthus taught? That Jesus was just a man, but at his baptism, the Christ spirit fell upon him. Making him Jesus Christ. Otherwise, he was like you and I. I mean, he would say he was an extraordinary man, but he's a man. And the Christ spirit came upon him, then he became Jesus Christ. But Jesus isn't the Christ. It's, it's because he's a man that the Christ spirit came upon. Now, later, the Valentinians and other Gnostic groups would make very sophisticated models of the cosmology of Gnosticism. They were the most Valentinian, where they get these different eons, and like the Lagos and, and, and Christ, Christ or, and Sophia, and these different entities that could rest upon you to give you wisdom or power or some kind of anointing. So they taught that Christ, when we think of Jesus Christ, we understand he is God in the flesh, amen. And they separated, uh, humanity is not the word that came became flesh, it's just a man that Christ's spirit rests upon. And that's identified as Antichrist. And the Gnostics, when you go through the second century after that, you start to see some of their teachings. Muhammad was influenced by these. And because they admit he was eclectic. He picked up from the Jews, he picked up from the Christians, he picked up from the Gnostics. But you know the things that he picked up from the Gnostics that I think most important? The Gnostics denied, first John, that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. That he is. Now we say, well they say, well we believe he is he's the Christ, you know, he's, he's the Messiah. They believe he's the Messiah only since that he was anointed with oil. Okay? Not that he was the uh, Savior of the world. And that he's the son of the father. They deny that the father has a son. They deny Jesus. So they picked up that idea from the Gnostics, which was the main heresy of the Gnostics. And they built a religion around it to conquer Christianity and say, no, that's idolatry to believe that he's the son of God. So now this is important because we have the identity of the Antichrist doctrine right there on the Temple Mount. This all ties together with the Beast Empire stuff we did. Earlier, right? Think about it. Now, now put this together. 
You have the denial that he is the Christ, the Son of God. You have the denial that he died for our sins. You have the warnings in the scriptures. John says this is the spirit of Antichrist. You have Paul says if the angel comes to preach another gospel than that which we preached, that would be a curse, right? Paul emphasizes in Galatians that Jesus is the Son of God. He emphasizes that he died for our sins. Those cardinal teachings in the Christian church are denied by Islam. Now, let's get a little bit deeper into this. So you have that he's, the right carpet is laid out for him. Now you have the, the, the Shiite Muslims teaching that they, they, remember yesterday when we looked at Marvel and DC how they just keep inverting the story? You know, the Christ figure is the bad guy. You know, the humans uniting with these spirits together against him is or the good guy. That's what Islam does. Think about this. Islam teaches in Gen When we read Revelation chapter 5, or chapter 6, the first verses of chapter 6 when the seals are being opened, who is that first, not talking about the second white horse, the one who comes on the white horse, right, with many diadems, right, and the word of God, and, you know, the sword coming from his mouth, that's Jesus, right? But prior to that, years before that, in the beginning of the tribulation period, there's another white horse riding, not with a sword, but with a bow. And he goes forth conquering and conquering, not with a diadem, but a stephanos, a conqueror's crown. And he goes forth with a bow to conquer. Most theologians that are futurists identify him with who? Who's the one that comes at the beginning conquering? The Antichrist, right? At least the false peace movement, because that fits really well with Matthew chapter 24, the false Christ and false prophet at the beginning of the tribulation period. He's on a white horse conquering. Guess what the Hadiths teach? The Mahadi will come in with. Their, their Christ figure will come in with. On a white horse. Guess what he'll go into? Jerusalem. Hmm. Guess what he'll be doing? Conquering. Kicking rear end. And some of the Hadiths say that he'll reign for seven years. Sound familiar? Uh, and guess what he'll do? He'll behead those who don't follow him. Does that sound familiar? Oh, by the way, when the two witnesses are put to death, two witnesses are killed after they prophesied for 42 months, they're killed. What do the people do in the nations? They give gifts to one another. That sounds so strange to us, but in Islam, what happens when terrorists kill people? They give gifts to each other. What's the Antichrist going to do? He's going to kill a bunch of Jews and Christians. They say when he comes, he's going to kill the people, of the, he's going to destroy, uh, not only, well, when the Antichrist comes, He's going to destroy many. It says, they say, well, when he comes, the trees and rocks, because they're going to kill so many Jews, the trees and rocks are going to cry out and say, there's one eye behind me. And they recite that in all the mosques throughout the world, by the way. So as you can see, we do believe when it comes to the person of the Antichrist that we believe the, the biblical representation that we see in Scripture shows us that he is probably of the Islamic nature. And a lot of people believe when it comes to Gog and Magog, that this war will actually wipe out Islam as a whole uh, before, uh, even before the the end times all take place there and all, all the events are taken up. But I, I don't see that as being a viable option, nor do I see Gog and Magog mentioned in Ezekiel as the exact event happening in Revelation chapter 20 for a number of reasons. One would be the fact that Israel is restored there in Ezekiel 37 and 38. And in Revelation chapter 20, uh, the rebellious people are destroyed there. And so are, guess what, the beast and the false prophet and so forth. But there's already been a thousand years that has taken place. So then if you believe that Ezekiel 37 and, or, I'm sorry, 38 and 39 
specifically happened in Revelation chapter 20, you have to believe that they don't repent and come to Christ until the, the Jews don't repent or Israel doesn't repent until after the thousand years. So for an entire thousand years, you have an impotent Messiah that when he returns, because he's already returned, when he returns, they ha- don't turn to him until after this war. I mean, that, so it really doesn't make sense to put those two as parallel, but it does make sense for that terminology, Gog and Magog, to be used to point to remember what took place even in the tribulation period, as we'll go over next week, having a number of parallel texts to really understand uh, all of this. So I know that I left a lot of meat on the bone here today, and there's a lot that I would love to discuss uh, concerning this, and I can't wait to sit down, uh, Pastor Joe, and actually talk through these things. But if you are listening to this and watching this and seeing this, uh, not only do I encourage you to read Ezekiel, starting at actually 37 all the way through 39, and check that out before we get into the study next week. And also, I just want to encourage you guys, continue to pray for our brothers and sisters in Ukraine. Continue to keep them uh, just in your prayers because it is crazy what's going on there. And also, wherever you are, that you could be a light to people and you can use what is going on right now to showcase the truth of God's Word and the reality of the gospel of Jesus Christ, that promised gospel that Jesus said that the end times, the gospel doesn't stop, but that it will go out into all the nations and then the end will come. You want to see Jesus come back? Get out there and preach the gospel. God bless you guys. The 511 News with Chad Davidson has been brought to you by Good Fight Ministries, bringing you news and commentary from a Christian perspective. This show can be heard every Friday wherever podcast shows are available or visit 511news.org. Thank you for joining us and we look forward to being with you next week on the 511 News.